So I want to talk to you tonight about hope as the foundation of resiliency. And remember, we're talking about the concept of resiliency because the body of Christ has not really demonstrated uh, that all too much the past couple of years. But look at somebody and say, I'm the exception. And so we know that we can be challenged, we can be stretched, we can be pushed, we can be prodded. And to the extent and the degree that we bounce back, not just recovering, you know, just limping by and, and just barely getting by, but going back uh, into a place of victory in the Lord um, and stronger than ever. Say it with me. I'm stronger, better, more victorious than ever. And so we've talked about a lot of these principles. We talked about the grace to have resiliency. But I just want to help you understand that there is a foundation for your resiliency. And if you don't have that foundation, um, you know, you can beg and plead and borrow and steal whatever you want to do. Uh, you're not going to have a resilient spirit. And that thing is what we would call hope or Bible hope. Write that down. There's a ton in the Word of God about hope. We want to make sure we understand the difference between what the world considers hope which is basically a glorified wish. When a believer has hope, we're not wishing. When we talk about the blessed hope, we're not talking about a blessed wish. How many are convinced he's returning? The blessed what? Hope. We have an inner image of an eager expectation of his return. And, you know, you can talk to people, you know, across denominational lines, you know, believers all over the country and the world, and they all have the same sense that he is on his way back and he's returning soon. Mm-hmm. Say it with me, even so, Lord Jesus, even so, Lord Jesus. Come, quickly. come quickly. Come on, say it, come quickly. quickly. Would it be okay tonight yes. if the trumpet sounded yes. and the dead in Christ rose first? Amen. Yes. And we which remained were gathered together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. And what does the scripture say about that promise? So shall we ever be. As surely as he came the first time, he's coming again. But that's not a wish. See, people who consider that to be a wish or hoping and praying kind of a thing, they don't know him. And that's why when you understand the the dynamics of of living the kind of hope-filled life God has for you, it's a lot easier to maintain our resiliency. But I'll tell you this, when we lose that Bible hope, and then we become subject to, to the kind of hoping and a praying and a wishing like the rest of the world, that's when you really get discouraged. You lose your sense that God has something out there for you. Let's go over a couple of scriptures real quickly, and then we'll talk about these principles about hope as the foundation for resiliency. Say it with me. My hope, My hope. In, God in God and through God, and through God is, the is the foundation for my resiliency. You should never let your mind stray very far away from powerful promises like Jeremiah 29, 11. Listen to what it says carefully. Sometimes we hear things so much, we kind of just dismiss them and get to the end of the sentence before we let the Spirit of God talk to us. Let Him talk to you about the power in this verse. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. Think about that. God, Almighty God, the creator of the ends of the universe, has a plan for you. That right then, she's like, you know, I I should have hope because God has plans for me. You're not just here sucking up air, living your life, and one day dying and going back to the dust. Your God has plans for you. And those plans are not exhausted. Go ahead and take a deep breath, everybody in the room. Okay? That means you still have a plan. If you're still breathing, God has plans. What kind of plans? He has plans for you, declares not some preacher, but declares... The Lord. 
You know, I get excited when I hear a positive message. I get excited when I hear, you know, hope ministered. Uh, I appreciate people like Joel, who I believe God has called him as an apostle of hope. The world can scowl and church people can criticize, whatever the case may be, but he's instilling hope in a lot of people. He'll be in Yankee Stadium, I think, in two weeks. He'll pack that place out with people looking for hope. Is that a bad thing? And there'll be an altar call. And people will get saved and give their lives to Christ. And, and he just cracks me up. He told a joke the other day on the radio. And he said this woman died. He's very devout. And she went to heaven. And she was about to enter into the gates. And, and St. Peter said, well, before you can come in, you have to do one more thing. And, he, and she said, what's that? You have to spell the word. And she goes, what word? He goes, oh, any word, like love, for example. So she goes, L-O-V-E. He said, you're in, no problem. He said, now, would you do me a favor and stay here? I have to take care of something. So stay here and man this post for me, if you would. About that time, her ex-husband showed up. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she was like, what are you doing here? As if to say, I'm surprised you made it. And he said, well, uh, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm here. Can, can I get in? And she goes, yeah, you just have to do one more thing. He said, what's that? You have to spell the word. He goes, what's the word? She goes, Czechoslovakia. Isn't that the way it is, amen? One last chance to keep him <laughs> out. A merry heart doeth good. Like a medicine. That cracks me up. Amen. But he has plans for you. You know, if anybody should be positive and hope-filled, it should be a born-again, spirit-filled believer who knows what the Word says. Walking in not their own righteousness, but the righteousness of God is a gift. Amen. Every day knowing that not only is he doing things to you and for you, he's doing them through you. We should be people of great hope. So just ignore all the voices out there that try to put a negative spin on this. This world needs hope. And not just the world, the church needs hope after what it's been through. So if you're pursuing him and you're expecting God to to build resiliency without hope, it's not going to happen you not get very far because it's the foundation of your resiliency. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Listen to this. Plans to prosper you. That means plans to make you successful in every area of your life. Not some weird preacher somewhere. The Lord says, I have what? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Well, you never know what God's going to do. He might just run you over the truck just to prove he can put you back together again. I don't know what Bible they've been reading, but God does not destroy his covenant people. They destroy themselves by walking out of his will and getting into disobedience. That's the record of the Old Testament. But when somebody's walking in covenant faithfulness with God, like a Caleb, like a Joshua, you notice that Caleb did not get swallowed up like the rest of them. And then when he was over 80 years old, he was still able to say, can I go get my mountain now? Amen. And he was ready to do it. You see what I'm saying to you? This idea that we're all in this, this group and you never know what God, God's going to do. That's just false theology. No wonder so many people, you know, are, are you know, basically disinterested in the things of God because they've got to have been, you know, warped, had a warped presentation of the word of God. God has plans to prosper you. Amen. Say it with me. God has plans, God has plans to, prosper to prosper me, to cause me to succeed in every area of life. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to be in a little holy vacuum and no challenges. But no matter what comes at you, you're going to overcome them in Jesus' name. No matter what happens to stop the plan, watch this, God has plans, but there's a devil trying to stop that plan. 
And if you'll stay in there, he's going to cause you to overcome everything he throws at you. Not to harm you. So whatever plans are out there to harm you, they're not coming from God. Let me say it again. The plans to harm you are not coming from your God. Get that false teaching out of your head. God does not use the tools of the devil to shape and form and fashion and discipline his people. He uses the word to discipline his people. Now, if you get out of his will and you get out of his, his protection, you get out of the, 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 the promises of God in terms of doing what he tells you to do, and something happens, he's a God that can restore. But don't confuse the nature of God and the devil. God has plans to prosper me. The devil has plans to do the opposite. And he is looking for a way in. Amen. Just stay faithful to God. Amen. And no matter what happens, God will turn that thing around. That's what he's talking about here. I have plans to prosper you. And look, he's speaking to an Old Testament people. How much less would God have plans to harm you now? Now that you're a lover of Jesus Christ, now that you're walking with God, now that you're walking in faith. He was dealing with an obstinate, rebellious, non-born again people who one minute praising him and the next minute building a golden calf. Can you see the problem that he had? Plans to give you a hope and a future. Say, I have a hope. I have a future. And watch this, they're gifts. Give you a hope and a future. Proverbs 19:18. Without a vision, the people perish. They cannot live the best that God has for them. They cannot be everything God has called them to be. They cannot live an exceptional life without a vision, without a dream, without a hope. We'll explain this more in detail. Again, Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3, the Lord answered them and said, Write the vision and make it plain. Sometimes it feels like the, uh, they're not coming to pass very quickly, but if you will hang in there, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Well, here's the key. I need a vision. I need a dream. I need, I need a hope before I can write it. How can I run with something? How can I believe for something when it's not there? How can I be resilient week in and week out, month in and month out? And I've watched people have a, a dream of what they could be, a possibility of what they could do for God. And they held on to it and they held on it and they got their ears beat back and they threw it down. And instead of walking in victory or preaching the gospel they're called to do, they're doing everything but what God has assigned them to do. Why? Because their resilience didn't last because their hope was squashed. Now, just like God wants to give you a future and a hope, the devil wants to squash that hope. Take that hope from you. Write this down. All hope is, is an intense inner image of an eager expectation. We're not talking about a hoping and a praying and a wishing. We're talking about something that's very specific. There is, there is a, a Bible you know, nature of, of hope and understanding what the Bible you know describes hope as is critical for your health and for your resiliency. It's an intense, inner, every word is important, inner image of an eager expectation. So notice it's not something that you can physically see necessarily, but where do you see it? On the inside. It's an intense, eager, amen, image. It's an intense 
um, inner image of an eager expectation. It's, it's intense. It's, it's something that is, that is vibrant on the inside of you. It is, it is white hot with expectancy. It's like a bird with a neck outstretched. And what's that bird doing? It's looking for something. It's longing for something. It's like that magnesium when you're in science lab one time. And what happens when it catches fire? What happens to it? White hot, just, just burning, you know, full throttle. That's what you're supposed to have on the inside of you. And when you maintain that, it's easy to have resilience. When that's not there, it's very difficult to bounce back. I'm telling you, God wants to gift you with that every single day of your life. Does that make sense? And watch this. I may have an, an intense, eager expectation inside of me, and today, nothing about that manifested. But I can have just as much joy without the manifestation as if what I saw on the inside came to pass today. Because it's not just the manifestation, of course, that gives you resiliency. It is the inner image of an eager expectation so real to you that it doesn't matter if it doesn't happen today. I know Christians, if they don't have all victory and everything settled, every promise that they think they believe God for, if it doesn't happen in a week, they're done. I've seen people last six months. I've seen them last a couple of years. But I'm going to tell you something. If you will hold on to that inner image of an eager expectation and you'll maintain resiliency, you're going to see things accomplished in your life. Most Christians do not. Because it takes some steadfastness. It takes resiliency. And I'm going to tell you this. When you know that you've had a visitation from God, He has put a hope on the inside of you. You need to guard that thing like treasure. Guard it. Maintain it. Protect it with everything on the inside of you. An intense inner image of an eager expectation. White hot expectation. Your neck outstretched, longing and looking for something. Sometimes we'll call this a horizon. Or we'll call it a compelling vision or a dream. But it's certainly something that you see beyond the circumstances right now. And it's a precious thing when you have it. It's a horrible thing when you lose it. And a lot of people have, have lost that. It's compromised their resiliency. They don't try anymore. They don't work for the Lord anymore. Half the time, these people don't even come to church. They think it's all passed them by. All because they built, you know, bought, bought into a lie that God didn't have anything for them. I'm going to say it again. God has great things in store for you. Yes. If you're still on this planet, He still has plans to prosper you and give you a future and a hope. Your job is to seek Him and expect Him to reveal those things to you. And everybody's a little bit different. You don't want to get uh, caught in trying to compare your hope to somebody else's. He crafted you and made you unique. He has something for you to accomplish. You don't want some cookie-cutter thing like everybody else. You want God's plans for you. I think God is able to give plans for each individual. Amen. He's able to do that just as much as you are individual. Look at your DNA. Is that pretty individual? As you have a twin roaming around this planet. But even if you did, God would still have individual hope to prosper you. Amen. Give you a future and a hope. Say it with me. I have the gift. I'm going to protect it. There can be no resilience without hope. It is the foundation of our resiliency as believers. Hebrews 6.19 calls hope an anchor for our soul. And dear God, do Christian souls need to be anchored right now? What a powerful scripture. We have this hope as a what? As an anchor for our soul. What does an anchor do? Hold you steady. And it's 
very specific, an anchor for what? Your mind, your will, your emotions. Your will needs to be anchored in his will, not your will. If God gives me a hope, he has given me a horizon that he chose. My horizon doesn't matter anymore. I can't pursue my horizon and his at the same time. I've got to let mine yield to his. So what I need to do, and this is what happens when you get a, a Bible hope or an inner image of an eager expectation, it starts directing your decisions. It starts affecting you. To, you know, which fork do you take in the road? Which place do you go? That is a wonderful byproduct of having Bible hope. It guides your steps. It's a wonderful thing. Your mind needs to be anchored. In what? What did God say? Casting down vain imaginations. I have found that I could teach on this and then 20 minutes later be talking to somebody and the very thing I just discussed with them, they're already receiving mental attack and assault. And I'm like, hello. I can't cast it down for you. You have to. We have this hope what as an anchor for the soul, the mind and the will and the emotions. And if there is a little darling in the modern body of Christ, if the untouched final frontier, it is the emotional realm. To the average Christian, if I feel it, it is real. If I feel it, it is gospel. If I feel it, it is true. And our feelings are not necessarily indicating truth at all. Remember what you're taught here. Say it with me. My feelings are a gift of God to experience life. Not direct life. That's why you don't ever make a decision based on what you feel. You ever feel something strongly and want to react? (laughs) Raise your hand if you felt something strongly and you wanted to react. Now put your other hand up if you did react. Now repent right now. Go ahead and say, Lord, forgive me. (laughs) See, what happens when you begin to be anchored in your emotions is you feel something and then you just back up and say, now that's what I feel and this is what I would do but I'm going to let this hope anchor me and I am not going to make a decision based on what I feel. In fact, I'm going to do the opposite. I have never made a mistake checking my emotions in decisions or actions. But I can tell you I have made mistakes when what? When I didn't check it. And the more you're able to stop and say, I feel something strongly, but I'm not going to decide or act on what I feel. I want a higher authority than my feelings for this. I want to hear from God on this. I want to know what the Word says. I want to get God to counsel. Yes, you feel something strongly. That's the way most Christians still function today. Those Christians don't like this kind of teaching. Because they they have promoted emotions as king over their life. A Christian is supposed to have what? One king and his name is Jesus. And by his word and by his spirit, he leads and he guides and he directs. So turn to somebody and say, you've got to fire your feelings. feelings. you're, you're, You're supposed to be anchored in your will, in your mind, in your emotions by this Bible hope. In other words, a Bible hope should lead you to right decisions. Amen right relationship with your emotions, and to the casting down of things that contradict the Word of God. Is it easy? No. Why is it hard to apply what I just said? In a word, people. (laughs) 
Amen. It's primarily what? People. People. Moses is like, Lord, those people you gave me. Amen. And then God would say to Moses, Moses, those people I gave you. (laughs) If Moses and God ever had a bad day on the same day, it's curtains for everybody. (laughs) God, you can't wipe them out. Remember your covenant. Five minutes later, Moses saying, Lord, wipe them out. (laughs) Bless the heart. Amen. Say it with me. My hope is the foundation for resiliency. Like Joseph and David and Paul, the enemy, and listen carefully, will do everything he can to squash the hope in your hearts. Everything. He'll use anyone, any circumstance, any situation. And, and if you are, um, if you aid and abet him, all the better. If he suggests something that is erroneous or wrong or, or inflammatory or strife-laden or, or is, is something that's not quite true about somebody, but you run with that because he said it, it must be true. I thought it, it must be true. You need to start doubting the thoughts in your mind and make sure they line up with the Word of God before you take a single step or go another, you know, another step down a mental road with a thought that's not of God or of you. It's really the enemy trying to steal your hope. Amen? Casting down what? Vain imaginations and every thought that exalts itself above what? Now, as you go, well, Pastor, that sounds like work. Look at the alternative. Having your hope ripped out of your heart and your resiliency compromised because you're a little bit spiritually lazy? Did I just say that? I did say that. It is spiritual laziness that we will not monitor our decisions, our will, our emotions, and our mind to make sure, amen, that we're not getting off into something that God had no intention of us being involved in. He really wants to get your hope. Uh, All the things that have been going on the past couple years, all the crazy things going on in our nation, it's all designed to get that hope. If he can get the Christian to throw down that hope, he's got us as a nation. Back when I was a college student, there was a big move of God in Washington, D.C. It was just simply this. In fact, I had a t-shirt one time, America, the only hope. He really is the only hope for America. Yes, he is. Amen. But what if all God's people abandoned an inner image of an eager expectation? What if they start chiming in like everybody else? You know, America's days are over, you know, their best days are behind us, and God's just going to judge her, and God's just going to destroy her, and all this stuff. Uh, there's a lot more than just 10 people in America that love the Lord. Don't confuse, amen, open doors of a nation with God's judgment. Let me help you out here. When God judges a nation, you don't have to wonder if it was God. It'll be every bit evident that he just did a judgment on a nation. And are they coming? Yeah, they're coming. Amen. But I want to focus, you know, specifically today on the gift of, of Bible hope in your own life and how important that is to your own resiliency. Proverbs 23:18, for surely you have a future ahead of you. Your hope will not be disappointed. Come on, shout out. God has plans. Come on, say it like you mean it. God has plans for me. Plans to prosper me. Plans to give me a future and a hope. That's why no matter what's going on in your life, what has happened, as long as you're on this planet, he still has plans for you. And let me enlighten you here. When you step to the other side, he still has plans for you. 
He will always have plans for you. And they're always going to be to prosper you, to give you a future and hope. I don't know what these anti-prosperity and anti-blessing Christians are going to do when they get to heaven. And they see the gates and they see the golden streets and they see the lavishness of all that he has and all that he possesses. What are they going to say? I just want to shack down by the river? It's a mind-renewing issue. Say it with me. It's a mind-renewing issue. That he really does want to do great things in your life. Why? He wants you to advance the gospel. He wants you to be the embodiment of the promises of God. Amen. People who can not only receive them, but help other people tap into those things. It's a privilege that we have these things. Amen. I don't have to get a show of hands tonight to know that the devil has attacked a lot of people in this room in the area of your hope. Your inner image of an eager expectation. He says things like, yeah, well, people talk about this stuff, but it's never going to happen for you. You'll never get where you thought you were going to go. Everybody's passing you by. Look, you only have accomplished this much, and look how old you are now. And on and on and on it goes. What difference does all that make? Amen. If you hold on to what he gave you, it's coming to pass because God's not a liar. Do we believe him? Do we trust him? Yes. Yeah. God has plans to prosper you. Amen. Say, my God, my God has, plans has plans to prosper me, to give me a future, and a hope. Now, I don't know how he does his planning. I mean, I, it really is amazing how he does what he does, but we don't know the details of how he does it. Like when he came up with a plan for a human being. Amen. It may be that we should have had like 20 ears and no mouth at all. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> um, but he gave us a mouth because he made us in his image to be a speaking spirit just like God. Not to destroy with the mouth, but to build and develop with the mouth. But did he sit down, you know, with a big legal pad, whatever, and... This is what this is going to look like, and this is how the heart's going to work. And the line. I don't know how y'all does that. He is God. But I do know this. Somewhere in the recesses of God's mind and his consciousness, he specifically laid out a plan for you. And don't you ever doubt it again. Because that's the essence of trying to squash that hope on these. That God does not have that for me. He's got it for those people over there, that church over there, that preacher over there, that businessman over there, that educator over there, but not for me. That's all a lie from the pit of hell. That's one of the reasons why we don't need to get mad at hope preachers. We need to say, God, give us more preachers that will preach Bible hope to us. Because we need it. Amen. We just need to hear faith. No, faith comes by hearing and hearing by word of God. But faith is what? Being sure what is hope? It's being sure of what we... You understand the connection here. Say it, hope and love and faith. But if I don't have an inner image on the inside, I don't have a blueprint, I have nothing to believe for. See what I'm saying to you? It's like taking a step back. I can confess, but am I really actively walking in faith when I've lost the image on the inside of me? Amen? Faith is being sure. Of what? 
and certain, certain of what we don't see. Not here, but out there. But I tell you a funny thing, when we can't see it on the inside, we'll never see it on the outside. So all I have to do if I'm the devil to squash your manifestation is to squash your hope. And you live just like everybody else. Now, um, how many have a general sense of God's creative order that man is at the apex of that creative order? I don't care what the liberals in this world say. We're just another animal. No, you're not an animal. Um, You're made in God's image. Psalm 8, what is man that thou art mindful of him? What's the big, in other words, the psalmist is saying, what's the big deal with man? The big deal is God made us in his image. And what about animals? Well, uh, animals procreate. Animals sleep. Animals eat. Uh, animals drink. Animals poop. Animals pee. Just ask me how I know. (laughs) But there are things that animals do not do. They make sounds, and there are some species that can communicate interspecies. But you won't find an example of an animal anywhere who gets an internal image and then is able to produce that creatively outside of their consciousness of their body. Not one. And that is exactly how a lot of believers, even in the world, live today, like an animal. They procreate, they work, they eat, they sleep, they die, they go to heaven. And that is not why Jesus went to the cross, and that is not what God has for you to live on this earth as though you're an animal with no hope and no creative function or ability to dream and then work towards seeing that thing actually accomplished. Animals don't do that. I mean, if they got a full belly and somewhere to lay, they're good to go. Amen. And they don't know if you've been gone five hours or five minutes. How can they possibly have a consciousness for creation when they don't even know that you've only been gone two minutes? And that's not a bad thing. They, they also forget all the bad things and just, amen? Focus on, hey, there's my master. Hey, there's my family. Praise the Lord. Um, the reason I bring this up because there's, there's a very simple way for you and for me to repair that hope in your life. And that's what's in my spirit tonight. How do you... How do you repair it? Because I, I don't think I'm in a room for people that never had an inkling about hope in their life or never maybe even had a, a hope or an image or a vision from God. But, but he wants to repair these things. He wants to restore them so that you can be the epitome of what a resilient Christian actually is. But you can't do it living animalistically. They don't create. Amen. They don't build anything. You understand what I'm saying to you? And a beaver dam doesn't, doesn't apply. <laughs> what these animals do, they do by instinct. There, there is no beaver club where they sit down and get their computers out and design the best beaver dam they can find and figure out which trees to cut down and which ones not to cut down. No. Humans do that. 
But a lot of people that are doing that in the body of Christ as, as natural. So watch this. There is, there is the animal level, which is basically no hope, no creative ability. Then there is natural man who has this ability, but it's not submitted to God and it's not working the way God wanted it to do, wanted it to work. And they're not accomplishing what God wanted because it's not submitted to him. You know, the president said one day, uh, we're going to go to the moon. Is that compelling? Did it happen? Yes. yes, because he had a vision and we actually did that. And then another president came back several years ago and completely scrapped the entire shuttle program. My niece got fired as a result of that. After being decorated for solving the problem with the exploding shuttle, her entire team was fired. You see what I'm saying? One is an example of someone who had a what? A dream. And then another example where there was no dream. Now, I guess what we're finding out how important it is when China is about to complete their own entire space station. Amen? And a businessman has to teach NASA how to keep rockets and reuse them after they're fired. How does that happen? The innate ability God puts in somebody to create is very, very powerful. And for most people on the earth, and most Christians even, that innate ability goes untapped. God wants you to tap it, yet at Him, He wants you to take the plans He has for you and do something with them. Not somebody else. Look at somebody and say, not somebody else. But what you have. There's three simple principles tonight to repair the hope in your life. One is to celebrate your new birth. By being born again, you're a species of creation that never existed before. Now you have the ability to dream things and see them come to pass. In other words, instead of living an animalistic life or a natural life where people basically do the same thing, never ever getting around to what God wanted them to do because they never tapped into it. Let me help you out here. Everybody in this room, in God's mind, there's a cardboard cutout about what you're supposed to be in this life. He already knows what you're supposed to do. Our job is to walk with him and find that out and then accomplish that. Amen. It can change through the years. You can be adapted based on, you know, life station, but he still has plans for you. He has expectations for you. My point is when you get born again, now you have the potential for the extraordinary. That's true. Now you can take what God has given you and you have supernatural backing up to the things on the inside of you. Whatever's on the inside of you, whatever you're supposed to do, whatever is in your heart, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Not a normal natural existence, but you were born again to be extraordinary. Pokes in mind and tell them, there's extraordinary in you. Are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. You're going to heaven? Going to heaven. Are you born again? Yeah, I'm born again like you're apologizing for it. Celebrate your new birth. Amen. You were made a speaking spirit like God. And because you're born again, now you can activate all of the supernatural and divine innate authority and power he put in you because of that. Adam, for example, this didn't give animals names. We know as God breathed life into him, Adam breathed life into the animals that God created carcasses for. 
And when he gave them names, he spoke life, and guess what happened to them? The zebra jumped up and ran away. Amen. The giraffe lifted its neck and found something in the tree to eat. Made the mistake of taking Timothy to St. Louis for my birthday a few years ago. We went to the ball game and went to the zoo. We came up to the giraffe pen and Timothy said, oh look, your relatives. <laughs> and then we got right next to where the rhinoceros pen was. And I, and I just looked at him. <laughs> There is creative ability in you that is released. Through the words of your mouth, the ability to form, fashion, phrase, and speak words at will, there is no other creation in the entire universe that does what you can do. And half the time we use it against ourselves. We can create a world with our mouth. And what we end up doing is creating an adverse world that's working against our hope and what we really believe God wants to do in us and through us. If you don't like the world that you're living in, you can change it. Say with me, I'm born again to be extraordinary, not ordinary. Listen to this in 1 Peter. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in God's great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope. There is no way to walk in Bible hope until you're born again. Come on, say it with me. There is no way to walk in Bible hope until I'm born again. Until the new birth, you can't. So can you see this? Not just, well, I got born again, I'm going to heaven. No, I'm born again and I'm going to heaven, but now I can help create heaven on earth by getting God's will and his dreams and his visions accomplished in this earth. There's something extraordinary happens when you got born again. The best possible version of yourself now can come alive. But not if your mentality is, well, I walked an altar in church one day, I got born again, my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, I'm going to heaven. I know how to spell Czechoslovakia. End of story. No. Mark Randall used to talk about the dash in somebody's tombstone. Amen. Here's the date somebody got born, and here's the date somebody died. But what really defines that person's life? The dash. And a born-again person should be a person of great hope. What if everything I hope for doesn't come to pass while I'm on this planet? Here's the key. You're going to accomplish a whole lot more being a person of Bible hope than living like a lot of Christians do, just their natural living. Just barely above the animalistic level. Everybody that's born again can have huge Bible hope on the inside of them. And so no matter what happens to you, you get to take a punch in the face spiritually, you get back up again because you know what? I still believe what God said to me is going to come to pass. Amen. I still believe the things he has ordered me to do are still out there. And just because somebody opposed me or this didn't work out or the, the bottom fell out of it, it doesn't change anything. God's plans didn't change because some, something didn't work out in your opinion. His plans are still there, prospering you, giving you a future and a hope. Number two, celebrate the new birth. Number two, spend time in God's Word. 
That is how you generate, according to the word, Bible hope. Romans 15, 4, for everything that was written, listen to that, in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of scripture, of the scriptures, we might have hope. If you uh, are living your life without spending time in the word, there is no way for you to facilitate the development and the continuance of hope, which means your resilience is always going to be an issue. And all you have to do is open that Bible again. Come on, say it with me. This is a no condemnation zone. No one's here throwing you know, stones at you and saying, hey, you know, you, you goofed up. You're not worth anything. No, it's just simply an exhortation that if your resilience has been compromised because your Bible hope is fleeting, all you have to do is get back in the Word of God. Now, I don't understand how he does this, but you decide to, to read through the book of Psalms, you know, in a year, or you're reading a psalm or five psalms a day, whatever it is. By reading the Word of God, you are connecting to divine utterance. And while you're doing that, even if you think what you're reading has nothing to do with what you'd like to see done in and through your life, he is infusing hope in that direction because you're spending time in his word. Any time in the word of God is going to build Bible hope. That's why you're never wasting time. Amen. Say, so I'm never wasting time in the word of God. Listening to it on tape CD, listening to it on, on, on Sirius XM, you know, listening to preaching, listening to the Word of God, coming to church. What good is it to come to church? If it's a Bible church, everything. Because what will happen is something during that service will snag your heart and you'll go out thinking, you know what, maybe God can do this in my life. The Word of God going forth without compromise has a way of causing the truths and the reality of Scripture to strike your spirits. And that's when you know something real is happening on the inside of you. Amen. Amen. After a while of doing that, uh, you're going to just be filled with joy, unspeakable and full of glory. But nobody can do it for you. Amen. Say this to me, lazy Christians don't have much Bible hope. Amen. Get into it because what's going to happen is it will generate hope on the inside of you. More time, more hope. Shut that uh, Bible, never, never read, never participate, never study, never memorize. You're going to see your hope diminish. Amen. You know, even if you're here tonight and <laughs> you drug yourself to church and you're as tired as you can be, and that body thinks, well, how could I possibly get anything out of this because I'm so tired? Because your spirit connects to God outside of the limitations of your physical body. Amen. That's why you should never make a spiritual decision based on how your body feels. Yeah, I just wish you wouldn't preach so long. You're missing the point. But even while you're sitting there half slumped over, your spirit man is still in a receiving mode. There were some kids, the most powerful adults now in the body of Christ throughout this country, who were raised on a pew. And 6, 30, 7 o'clock, they would fall asleep, and they would sleep. And you think, what could they possibly receive? Listen to me and write this down. The spirit man has ears even when the body is asleep. That's why you can put on a teaching tape at night and be impacted by it by morning. Mm -hmm. 
For some of you, that's a revolutionary idea. But don't let your body dictate what you're going to do. You talk to your body. Hey, body, it's time to read the Word. I don't feel like it. I'm tired. Hey, body, it's time to sit under the Word. Be under the anointed, preached, and taught Word of God. I don't feel like it. Body, you're going to do what I say. If you let your body run you, then you're no different from an animal. And you're to live an extraordinary life. So what do you do? Hey, all the time you can, however it works for you. The technology we have right now, Tyler has compiled enough teaching on our own website that will totally set you free if you'll just take the time of the good into your heart and your spirit. Things that all of us wish we would have learned when we were 8 or 9 or 10 years old. And there are many, many ministries just like that where they've just basically offered up the word, amen, and present it for you so you can grow. Say with me, celebrate the new birth. Everybody say yee Say it again, say yee I'm born again. You should celebrate because non-born again people cannot walk in Bible hope like you. They can't dream the dreams that you can dream. They can't have the visions that you can have. They can do natural things and pursue things. But they may or may not step into God's perfect plan for their lives. The Bible help you will. Number three, encounter God's spirit. Don't shy away from those encounters. Look for them. In your car, praising God all by yourself. Praise chorus comes on and you just begin to exalt the name of the Lord. And he begins to move on the inside of your car and touches you in your prayer time, ministers to you in a public worship service. Embrace those encounters because every genuine, listen to me, every genuine encounter with the Holy Spirit is going to leave you with a hope that is built up. Every single time. Every time you're in His presence. Every time you pray. Every time you encounter His Spirit, you're going to have hope built or raised up in your life. It's not stuff we haven't heard before, but sometimes we haven't really seen the importance from the perspective of the Lord. You have the right to dream because you're born again. You have the ability to increase your hope simply by time in the Word of God. And when you're magnifying Him and worshiping Him, and when you're experiencing His presence, don't back out. Sometimes we'll talk about this. My sister talks a lot about this. Somebody will come into an altar and the Spirit of God will begin to move and we'll literally see them back up away from it. Yeah. Like it's something to be afraid of rather than embraced. I tell you what you do. When you sense the power of God coming from somebody's prayer, coming from their hand, you step into that. You don't back away from that. And that's just figurative for our lives daily. Embrace what he has for you because the Spirit of God will never do anything to you but good. Amen. He will do nothing but biblical things in your life. And that encounter will cause you to have hope. I don't have thousands of stories to tell about those encounters, you know, but I can tell you this, when I have had them, that didn't leave me hopeless. 1985, we just finished that building over there where the youth now meet tonight. And the pastor, who's a very close friend of ours, he married us, and to this day he's one of our biggest supporters and encouragers in the Lord. Uh, he said, here, here, you know, I asked him to kind of get in there at night and pray and seek God because I've got decisions to make about where I go from here in college. And he said, here's, here's the key. And so I go out there, 
11 o'clock, just pray in the middle of the night to the Lord. And one night, I had an encounter with the Lord right over in that altar area. I remember the power got hit, and I just fell back on my hands just like that. I mean, I understand that there's no one around to coach me. Let me help you out here. Lutherans don't typically fall under the power voluntarily. <laughs> Speaking of resisting, well, there I was. After praying in the Spirit, an hour and a half, two hours, boom, there I was. And just as clear as a bell, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I have called you to pastor this church. And my immediate response to him was, we have a pastor already. And then I added this since the Lord made you know, me and I've known it. And I said, he's a pretty good one, too. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying to you? All I can tell you is I didn't leave the building hopeless. No one pushed me down. No one coached me. No one, you know, go over a loudspeaker and tried to imitate God's voice. It was authentic. It was genuine. It was real. And not only was it real, of course, it was true. About 10 years later, we actually came and started the ministry here. Amen. What does that do for you? I tell you what it does. If there are obstacles to that or hindrances or a path you don't understand, your hope remains intact because you know you had an encounter with God. You don't need somebody's opinion. Amen. What he said came to pass. Do you see what I'm saying to you? Those encounters can be words of encouragement. They can be prophetic utterances. They can be supernatural happenings. They can be sometimes even corrections. I mean, well, that's good. Yeah. Make sure your hope stays on track. Right. Celebrate your new birth. Get into the word more than you ever have before. Don't back out of spiritual encounters. There are people running around talking about, I'm going to go to a safe, spirit-filled church. What is that nonsense all about? You mean so you can control what God does? So you can have lights and smoke and you can sing the songs of modern worship, but if the spirit begins to rumble, you don't want any part of his manifestation? Let me tell you something. I count it a blessing when a tongue and interpretation goes forth in the church. That is God sovereignly moving in a service to bless people, not hurt them. And yet some people have trained themselves to be afraid of the things of God. No, I want to hear from him. Amen. I want to see signs and wonders and miracles. I want more entrance, not less. I want to see more prophecy. I want to see more miracles, more healings. Amen. I'm not talking about spooky and kooky stuff. Amen. But the real thing, you don't want to back away from that stuff. Personally, one-on-one -on -one with God in your church, Wherever you are, you want to make sure you embrace that because if God has given you an encounter, it's designed to impact your life in the present and the future. Amen. It will cause your hope to go to a new level. That's right. Amen. Look at somebody say, God, give us more. Give us more, encounters more encounters with his spirit. Now, I don't, I don't own what I'm about to tell you. You know, uh, It's exploded in me one day when I was listening to Brother uh, Sabell. Years ago, say it with me, the new birth should be celebrated. The word should be read. I shouldn't back out or away from Holy Ghost encounters. What he said was, he said, the, the born again heart is the canvas. 
We're talking about a Bible image here. Everybody say a Bible image. This is how it's done. That canvas is not there until the person is born again. They're subject to natural things and limitations. They're subject to impulses and instincts, but they cannot have a Bible inner image until they're first born again. That's one of the reasons why every day you should thank God you gave your life to Christ. Because all things being equal, no matter what you've been through, you can still get yourself out of that mess with Bible hope. An inner image of an eager expectation. Say it with me. The heart is the canvas. He said the paint was the word. How am I going to have an image if I don't have any paint? If I'm born again, but there's no paint being applied, I just got a white canvas. But at least I'm going to heaven. Praise the Lord for that. But what if you were supposed to do something on this earth? The paint, he said, is the word. And watch this. The Holy Spirit is the artist. I just don't want a canvas and a room full of paint. I want the artist, right, to pick up the paint and draw a word picture on the canvas of my heart that signals where I'm going, what I'm supposed to be, what I'm going to do. Because if the born-again heart gets a picture painted by the Holy Ghost through the Word of God, guess what? It's going to come to pass. That's why it explodes in me, even to this day. Say it with me. The heart is the canvas. The Word is the paint. And the Holy Spirit is the artist. I'm afraid of the Holy Ghost. You shouldn't be. Okay, let's tell you this. There, there are people uh, in your family, there are people, you know, in your associations, there are people even in this church that all they need to do to go from here to absolutely exploding in their walk with God is to stop being afraid of the Holy Ghost and start embracing Him. Amen. Amen. Receive the baptism, receive the gifts, and let Him move in you. Because what you've done is you've, you've tied His hands behind His back and He's trying to paint a picture, but you won't let Him, you know, you only let Him go so far. Convict me of my sin, you know, comfort me when there's problems. Why don't you take on the full measure and ministry of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Take on the present day ministry of the Holy Ghost. That's good. That's good. Amen. So here's the bottom line. It's funny, but if you stop letting the Holy Spirit apply the word of God to your heart, that image can fade. And when that image fades, your resilience as a believer is going to be compromised. I don't know where you are, but I know is, is you can start again asking the Spirit of God to paint that picture, to renew and to revive. And what will happen is the clearer it gets for you, you know, the more intense it is, the more you're going to be believing God for. That's when your faith is going to kick in. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. Faith is being sure of what the Holy Spirit with the Word painted on the canvas of my heart. And being certain of what I do not see on the outside of the human heart. Amen. 
God wants everybody in this room to be strong in these last days. Say it with me, strong in these last days. Say it with me, strong. I'm going to celebrate the new birth. I'm going to stay in the word. I'm going to encounter the Holy Ghost whenever I can. Amen. Y'all remember when you first encountered the presence of God? Don't just stay satisfied with that. You should want more and more. And more and more. Amen. Come on, give me a hand clap and thank him tonight.